Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Let's talk about baseball. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Good to be back. I'm your host, Daniel Port, and it was a weird day in baseball. There just really wasn't a lot of offense. We'll have plenty of pitching to go over and lots of other fantasy-relevant information here for you. But to kick us off, let's jump straight into the Major League News and Injury Report. For the Boston Red Sox, Nathan Aval is listed currently as day-to-day, but will likely require a trip to the injured list as he's dealing with a shoulder-slash-neck injury. For the Chicago Cubs, Adbert Alzale started a rehab assignment with the Arizona Complex League for the Cubs on Monday as he is attempting to come back from a lat injury. Kyle Hendricks is recovering from a capsular tear in his right shoulder. And Patrick Wisdom is listed day-to-day with a finger injury. He did not play on Monday. For Chicago White Sox, Michael Kopech is listed as day-to-day. He was removed from Monday's start against the Royals due to a hamstring injury. This was, for the record, insane. Apparently, he had injured himself initially during warm-ups in his knee, and the White Sox chose to pitch him anyways, and then he ended up getting injured. That, I know, seems shocking to everyone, but hopefully my uh, Kopech is okay. Osmani Grandal, who is currently on the 10-day injury list, was able to take some swings in the batting cage on Monday, according to White Sox manager Tony Russa. And for the Cleveland Guardians, Cody Morris built up to 61 pitches in his most recent start for AAA Columbus. That's definitely a, a name you can you should keep an eye on. For the Kansas City Royals, Vinny Pasquantino, I got it right that time, was listed as day-to-day as he was removed from Monday's game against the White Sox due to right shoulder discomfort. We'll have to keep an eye on his status for today. For the Los Angeles Angels, Shohei Otani uh, did not serve as the designated hitter on Monday against the Rays due to an illness, but he is on track to make his next scheduled start Saturday against the Blue Jays. For the Los Angeles Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw threw against live hitters at Dodger Stadium on Monday as he is attempting to come back from a back injury. For the Milwaukee Brewers, Mike Brousseau was listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury, and Aaron Ashby was placed on the 15-day injured list with left shoulder inflammation yesterday. Looking to the Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton was listed as day-to-day. He will get an MRI on his sore right hip, and he won't play today. Make sure you get him out of your lineups for today if you can. And Ryan Jeffers was scheduled to receive additional x-rays on Monday on his injured thumb. He could be cleared, depending on the results of those x-rays, to start catching bullpen sessions as soon as Friday. For the New York Mets, Tyler McGill will throw live batting practice on Friday as he comes back from a shoulder injury. Eduardo Escobar is doing really well as he works to come back from an oblique injury and is on track to return Friday against Colorado. Moving on to the New York Yankees, Domingo Herman is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. And Scott Efros was placed on the 15-day injury list on Monday with a shoulder injury. Clay Holmes threw approximately 15 pitches during a bullpen session on Sunday. And Miguel Castro is expected to throw his first bullpen session on Friday since landing on the injured list on July 16th. For the Oakland Athletics, Ramon Laureano played catch prior to Sunday's game against the Mariners as he is working his way back from an oblique injury. 
And for the Phillies, Bryce Harper will begin a rehab assignment at AAA Lehigh Valley today. Sir Anthony Dominguez underwent an MRI on Monday that cleared him of any structural damage to his right arm, uh, verifying his earlier diagnosis of right bicep tendonitis. For the Seattle Mariners, Sam Haggerty is listed as day-to-day. He came off the bench on Sunday and contributed a pair of stolen bases. Still listed as day-to-day. We'll just have to keep an eye on his status if you're looking to play him in your lineups. And finally, for the St. Louis Cardinals, Ryan Helsley is listed as day-to-day with an undisclosed injury as well. So jumping into the hitters that caught my eye from a fantasy perspective that are pretty available out there in leagues. For the White Sox, Elvis Andrus went two for four with three RBIs and a double. He's had three hits and a stolen base in his past two games, and it's tough. This recent stretch certainly shouldn't change how you view him yet, but it's always worth noting when a player makes a change in scenery and starts to do better, you wonder if that might be a different hitting instruction or a different approach, or could it just be a new team breathing life into his bat? But I'm going to be skeptical until I see it more consistently over a longer sample. But for now, just keep an eye on Elvis Andrews as he seems to be hitting pretty well there in Chicago. For the Phillies, Alec Baum went three for four with a run scored. Over his last seven games, he's seen 355 with a 613 slugging percentage. That's two home runs over that time period and eight RBIs in his last seven games. He's absolutely mashing the ball right now. And he's actually still uh, available in a bunch of leagues. If you see him, I definitely would recommend picking him up. He's absolutely crushing lefties, hitting 355 with a 973 slugging percentage off of them for the season. And he faces a lefty tomorrow, Nick Lodolo. And after that, he gets the Reds for a few more games and the Pirates for the rest of the week. Plenty of opportunities for him to absolutely rake. Uh, and by the way, all those games are at home where he is a 290 hitter on the season with a 740 OPS. If he's out there, go pick up Alec Baum. He could be really great for this week. Bryson Stott for the Phillies went one for four with his eighth home run. And he's actually been hitting really well as over his last seven games at 296 with a 519 slugging percentage. And in fact, over his last 15 games, he's 339 with a 508 slugging percentage. He's been a 118 WRC plus hitter in August. And it's weird. I'm not quite sure what to make of his August. Like overall, there aren't a ton of things that would explain why he is performing so much better. But the biggest change that I can see is that he's making a huge shift towards hitting the ball to the middle of the field. He moved his center percentage from 29.5% to 39.6% in August. And on those balls, he's hitting for a 414 expected batting average, the 534 expected slugging percentage, and a 413 expected Woba. Now, the trade-off to this is he's pulling the ball far less often, which is where most of his powers come from. In fact, all of his home runs have been pulled. So uh, there are some downsides to that. But mostly what this strikes me as is someone who, as a younger hitter, is still trying to lock down an approach, lock down how he's uh, trying to hit the ball. And that isn't surprising at all, given uh, that this is his rookie season. With that being said, over that time period as well, over his last seven games, he's stolen two bases. He's hitting sixth for the Phillies, so there's definitely some value to be had, even if it just you know continues to uh, be more in the average than power range if you need help at shortstop or you need some stolen bases. For the Mets, Daniel Vogelbach went one for four with his 16th home run and two RBIs. Vogelbach's a very up-and-down hitter. Uh, over his last seven games, he's hitting 278 with a 458 on base percentage and a 611 slugging percentage. And in fact, over his last 15 games, he's still hitting 262 with a 524 slugging percentage. As I mentioned, he's been up and down. In April, he was a 143 WRC plus hitter. Then in May, he was an 83 WRC plus hitter. In June, he was a 110 WRC plus hitter. July 150 and then August 158. And what's weird is you'd expect when his stack cast numbers look better, that would not be when he's slumping, but he's actually had the opposite so far. His highest exit velocities on the year and barrel percentage and hard hit rate all uh, at first occurred 
in May and June when he had lower output. What it turns out is what really works best for Vogelbach is when he's hitting a lot of line drives and when he's pulling the ball the most. And that's the trendy in the months that he's hit really well. So in April, July, and August, he has had higher pull percentages and has hit more line drives. In fact, to give you an idea, in July, he had a 40.9% line drive percent with a 50 pull percent. And in August, he had a 33.3 line drive percent with a 38.9 pull percentage. So that's when he's doing his best work. He also does well when he's going to face right-handers. If you look at the, the lineup of pitchers he's about to face, he's going to face a ton of right-handers coming up. So I actually really like picking up Daniel Vogelbach right now. For the Cardinals, Albert Pujols went two for four with his 14th home run. And actually, this is his sixth home run in his last seven games. And he's hitting over that time period 571 with a 1.429 slugging percentage. I, I, I searched high and low for, for an explanation as to what's going on here right now. And the thing is, sometimes baseball is just romantic. And maybe that's what's going on here as, as Pools heads towards the end of his career. But there's actually seemingly more going on there. If you look at his August numbers from a stat cast perspective, he has a 95.1 exit velocity. He has a 19 degree launch angle and a 25.9% barrel rate, which is just insane. He's got a 59.3% hard hit rate. Now, obviously, it's a small sample. But what's interesting is if you go look at the rest of the year coming up to that point, he'd been hitting the ball really hard. He had a 90.2 mile per hour exit velocity on the season coming into August. He had a 46.4 hard hit percent. He even had a pretty respectable 8.7% barrel rate. So he's been hitting the ball pretty hard all season. What he's really been doing is hitting the ball in the air more often. In August, he has a 51.9% fly ball rate. And he's been pulling the ball a ton. Pulling the ball for an astonishing 70.4% rate. But that's going to lead to some home runs if you combine those two numbers, given how hard he's hitting the ball. So I, I don't necessarily obviously know if this is going to continue. It seems like he's certainly trying to hit some home runs. He could, finally can see a chance to actually get to 700 home runs here. We'll just keep an eye on it. But I, I say right now, just if nothing else, add Albert Pujols because it would be incredibly fun to have him on your team when he gets to his 500th home run. But I do think right now uh, he can actually be a really big asset to your team. Definitely go pick up Albert Pujols. So as I mentioned, there wasn't a lot of offense on the day. There were a ton of 1-0, 2-1, 2-0 games throughout the league with not a lot of games going on in general. So that's really all the hitters that caught my eye. But there's a ton of pitching that was really interesting. To jump straight into the pitching, let's talk the Braves. So Jake Odorizzi went six innings pitched, giving up one earned run, striking out seven. Now, this was Odorizzi's first good start for the Braves since the trade deadline. And he managed 13 whiffs in this. And the key with Odorizzi is, can he locate his four-seamer up and he absolutely did that in this game. He was locating his four seamer up very well and got him good results. His splitter was doing the same and he was locating that in really nice positions as well. The hard part is you just never know from game to game when he's going to locate his pitch as well. And that's the book on Odorizzi. So I'm not really looking to pick up and I don't think that this start is the new norm for him there in Atlanta. He gets St. Louis next and I'm not starting him there. Keep an eye on Odorizzi if he does start stringing a couple good ones together. And if that location stays consistent, that's the big thing you want to see. Is he locating that fastball up? For the Pirates, Rowany Contreras went seven innings pitched, 
with two earned runs and five strikeouts. He walked three in this game, and this was Contreras' second start since getting called back up. And the one thing we've seen since he's come back up is he's struggling right now with the control and with his walks. In the two starts that he's made since coming back up, he's walked a combined seven hitters. That's not a recipe for success. Combine that with 10 hits over that time, and you're talking an absolute recipe for disaster. This one, it didn't come back to bite him. If this keeps up, it will. So stay away until you see those walks come back down to earth. And you see him start to locate and control the ball better. For the Phillies, Noah Syndergaard went seven innings pitched, giving a one earned run and striking out just one hitter. You gotta love Thor backing up his solid streamer status uh, that I've been touting for the last couple weeks. But when he's given a good matchup, the single strikeout super disappointing, obviously. But all things considered, we'll take it. Over his last seven starts, he's been super consistent. He's uh, 3.60 ERA over 25 innings pitched, but again, just 13 strikeouts over that time period. This is the third straight quality start for Thor, and the strikeouts before that have been there, so uh, this seems like an anomaly. The weirdest part is he only got two whiffs in this one. That's odd for really any pitcher, but I think this is just occasionally you're going to get starts like that. He gets Pittsburgh in his next start, so I do expect the strikeouts to pick back up in that one. Either way, it's a good game to start him. If he's available in any release, definitely take a look at Noah Syndergaard. For the Angels, Tucker Davidson went five innings pitched with two earned runs and two strikeouts and three walks. Davidson right now is the ultimate cherry bomb. Unfortunately, though, doesn't carry any of the strikeout upside you would want in a cherry bomb otherwise it's not worth it on april 11th he gave up five earned runs in 2.2 innings pitched on may 23rd he repeated that number on august 7th he gave up six earned runs in four innings pitched other than that in the other four starts he made this season he's given up less than two earned runs so he's been either really good or really bad in fact if you look at the median era for his performances on the season he has a 3.60 median era when you compare that to his 6.23 ERA in the season, that just shows you how wildly those poor starts have skewed his season-long numbers and just, frankly, how bad those starts have been. With that said, his blow-ups were against Seattle, Philadelphia, and Washington, so that makes it even harder. It's hard to predict when those poor outings will come. So right now, I'm avoiding Tucker Davidson, especially given the limited strikeout upside. For the Rays, Jeffrey Springs went 5.2 innings pitched, giving up one earned run with seven strikeouts and three walks. Springs has been very good for quite a while. Over his last seven starts, he's at 2.83 ERA, with 37 strikeouts and 35 innings pitched. He hasn't given up more than three runs on a start since June 18th. He doesn't go super deep in the games, which is really the one flaw in his game. But either way, he ends up racking up strikeouts pretty uh, pretty heavily in those starts anyways. He had a really rough July, but he's recovered from it in August, in a large part by re-emphasizing his fastball and throwing actually out of the zone more often. It seemed like he was probably throwing in the zone too often in July and became a little bit predictable, especially on first pitches. So you have to wonder if that is a course correction that he made here in August. He gets Boston next, and while I'll probably sit him for that start, I can absolutely see if you want to try and start him there, and he should be a good streaming option from here on out. Cole Bergans uh, made the start for the Rangers today, and he went four innings pitch, giving up one earned run with two strikeouts and two walks. This was a decent start from Bergans, and actually three of his four starts this season have been pretty solid. The hard part is he hasn't gone beyond five innings pitched in a start, yet thanks to really inefficient pitching, he's had really high pitch counts for such a low inning starts, and for the large part, it's mostly due to, for obvious reasons, a lack of control. He's walked 10 hitters in four starts. It's very early in his career, and recently he started to show better control in the minors, so we can give him some time to get that back under control, especially when you consider the fact that he had Tommy John surgery in 2018, lost all of 2019 and most of 2020. He was known for his control before he had Tommy John, and that can take some time to come back after that injury. He had an excellent changeup coming up through the minors, and it's actually served him well already here in the majors, as that pitch has totaled 2.6 
P-Val in just four starts. It's only given up two singles on the season so far. Has a 50% infield fly ball rate, so it's fooling a ton of hitters. It's a 35.8% O-swing rate, 41.7 zone rate, and a 13.0 swing strike rate. This is all actually resulting in a positive outcome for the pitch 60% of the time. So his changeup's really good. We need to see now is see if another pitch can step up and uh, become a viable second option. And then also I want to see his control start coming back. I'm not necessarily looking to pick him up. He does get Detroit in his next start, which could be uh, a, a nice opportunity for a stream starter. But mostly this is a guy to keep an eye on, probably looking to see what he can do for next year from here on out. For the Cardinals, Jordan Montgomery is fantastic, throwing a nine-inning Maddox with seven strikeouts, giving up just one hit. I said a week or so ago that I thought the Cardinals' elite defense would do wonders for Montgomery, and it has absolutely come true. Since coming over to the Cardinals, he has over 25.2 innings pitched. He has a .35 ERA with a .62 whip. Yeah, you heard all of that correctly. He's only given up one earned run since coming to the Cardinals, and he struck out 24 over that time period. He's a 50.8% ground ball rate, which is exactly what you want to do if you're pitching for the Cardinals. He's leaned even more so than he ever has before on his four-seamer. He's throwing it about 22% more often with the Cardinals, and it's been fantastic. In four starts, it's racked up an incredible 46 P-Val, and that's allowed his sinker and his changeup to blossom as well. Everything's working for him right now. Obviously, he's not out there in a, a ton of leagues, but trying to figure out where Jordan Montgomery fits in the pitcher hierarchy in, in fantasy next season is going to be a really fun offseason discussion. For the Cubs, Drew Smiley went seven innings pitched with one earned run and six strikeouts with two walks. Smiley's actually been really good lately over his last seven starts. He has a 2.35 ERA over 38.1 innings pitched with 36 strikeouts. The weird thing is no one pitch has really shined for Smiley over this recent run of success. Most of what it has helped him is he's attacked the zone a lot more often. He's throwing the ball in the zone almost 5% more often and has thrown way more strikes. And sometimes that's enough. Sometimes that'll get the job done, especially when he gets starts over the time break against Washington, Cincinnati, and Miami. And because of that, I, I guess I am still somewhat skeptical. He gets Milwaukee next, who's a pretty good offense. I I'm not going to start him there. I get starting him if you need to start, but I'm probably avoiding it. For the Marlins to wrap things up here, Edward Cabrera went seven innings pitched, giving up no earned runs, walking three hitters, and striking out six. This is wild. His dominance continues. Cabrera has now gone 22.2 straight innings without giving up an earned run, and he's only given up just eight hits over that time period while striking out 28 batters. His stuff looks incredible. It looks absolutely unhittable, honestly, right now. And at some point, obviously, the walks are going to come back to haunt him. He's walked 10 hitters over that time period. And given how filthy his stuff, how often he's striking out hitters, he can get away with it to a certain degree. But you have to imagine at some point that does come back to haunt him if he doesn't get under control. And he gets the Dodgers in his next start. Obviously, that's a dangerous proposition. The Dodgers are one of the best offenses in baseball. But I think Cabrera might be inching his way into must-start territory right now. I understand seeing him, but for me, I am probably throwing him out there against the Dodgers. That's how good he's been. So definitely uh, must-see TV right now whenever Cabrera makes a start. And if he's out there, I'd go pick him up ASAP for sure. So that wraps up all the action from yesterday's games. Before we jump into what I'm looking forward to today, let's take a quick break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Thank you. And real quick, let's also stop by and check in on Mark Paquette for the weather. Thank you very much. Well, unlike a couple close calls yesterday, today we should be all set in the clear. I don't see any weather delays anywhere. Um, So play away on DFS, play away season long. We know it's getting towards the end of the season and uh, each game is getting more and more important. But anyways, no weather problems and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. So now let's talk about what I'm looking forward to in today's games. There's some fun, interesting matchups, uh, a couple of good teams going head-to-head. First, I noticed Nick Lodolo for the Cincinnati Reds is going against Ranger Suarez for the Phillies. That's a fun pitching matchup. Two young pitchers going toe-to-toe. Ranger Suarez has been a heck of a run lately, so it'll be fun to watch him pitch against the the Reds. And Lodolo keeps showing signs of uh, really starting to turn the corner here as a young pitcher in his rookie season so it'll be fun to see how he does today against a pretty darn good Phillies offense we have another game in the subway series as the Mets take on the Yankees and the pitching match was pretty good we got Taewon Walker going up against Frankie Montas as Montas tries to get things straightened out there in New York we have the Angels going up against the Rays and at first you're wondering why I would care about that game at all but it's actually two pitchers I'm really interested in watching with Jose Suarez going up against Corey Kluber. Those are two pitchers that I definitely have my eye on to see how they're performing, especially Jose Suarez, who's been pretty good as of late. And we would love to see if he can keep things going there against a struggling race offense. The Astros are taking on the Twins. And while the pitching matchup isn't as marquee, Justin Verlander is pitching for the Astros and Aaron Sanchez is pitching for the Twins. There are two teams in the playoff hunt going toe-to-toe as the Twins try desperately to catch back up to Cleveland before time runs out on the season. So that should be a really fun game to watch. Pablo Lopez is going up against the Athletics. Lopez has really struggled lately. It seems like he's almost running out of gas here in the season. So I'll be interested in watching that game to see if uh, Lopez performs well against the Athletics. If he struggles there, you definitely know he's running out of gas. And then finally, in the what I think is probably the marquee pitching matchup of the day, we've got for the Dodgers, Tony Gonsolin going up against um, the Milwaukee Brewers, Corbin Burns, who might be the best pitcher in baseball right now. Two very fun pitchers going uh, toe-to-toe here for two very good teams. It should be a ton of fun. Definitely that one's must-see TV today. Uh, in terms of looking at hitters to stream for the day, I like any White Sox you can pick up, like an Andrew Vaughn or maybe even Elvis Andrews or someone going up against Austin Voth of the Orioles. For the Mets, I like any Mets hitters you can get your hands on, obviously, that are going up against Frankie Montas, as he is, like I mentioned, really struggled lately, has been, frankly, awful since coming over to the Yankees, and might be worth taking the gamble to see, especially in, say, DFS or something, to see if he continues to struggle there today against the Mets. Any Giants hitters you can get your hands on going up against Detroit's Drew Hutchinson, I think would be a really nice matchup. And any of the Rangers hitters going up against Herman Marquez, it's always good to pick up hitters in Coors against a pitcher who has struggled almost all season long. And then finally, any Marlins hitters against the Athletics' Zach Logue, who has been pretty bad all season long as well. In terms of pitchers that I'm looking to stream, there aren't a ton of really great streaming pitching matchups that I like today. Two that I'm really looking forward to. I already mentioned Jose uh, Suarez going up against the Rays. The Rays have really struggled offensively lately, and Suarez has actually been pitching pretty darn well. So I really like that matchup. I think he could do pretty well there. 
And then Adrian Sampson of, of the Cubs going up against the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a pretty good offense, but if you catch them on the right day, they can struggle. And Adrian Sampson's been pitching really well lately. I like that matchup as well. Those are the pictures of the stream, some of the hitters I'm looking to stream, and really what I'm looking forward to today. So that's our podcast. Uh, thank you for putting up with my my scratchy voice here today. I think I'm losing my voice. But uh, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, folks. Enjoy the baseball that we've got on the docket for the day, and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.